I terrified her with my awesome logic. Uh, Welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. In this episode, the Minnesota misanthrope and I discuss the mental collapse of a dear friend of mine. What you as the audience don't know is that over the course of about six years, one of my best friends in the whole world, somebody I had, I've known for 20 some years, 25 years, uh, became indoctrinated into what initially was essentially the Alex Jones cult, uh, but then it turned into the QAnon cult. Now, it took five years for him to go from, you know, anti-Semitic statements like George Soros is controlling the banks to the Illuminati is in some way contributing to society in a meaningful way to there are six families that run all of the banking systems and, and most of the economy to, you know, lizard people that live underground to flat earth to the QAnon conspiracy cult. The same type of people that in January of 2021 decided to storm the United States Capitol and attempt to supposedly, you know, kidnap and harm the people that were working there, specifically Mike Pence and we can safely say a handful of Democrats. Well, the metamorphosis that my friend went through over the course of about six years was from a very liberal, happy-go-lucky, sort of live-and-let-live, kill-em-with-kindness kind of guy to a basement-dwelling, you know, doomsday prepper, gun-fanatic, fundamentalist, Christian, white nationalist. So you can imagine how traumatic that was for him and his family, but also for me. Now, our friendship was incredibly close. The people that heard about the the type of friends that we were. So we got together every week for something like six or seven years. We had a guy's night, essentially, and it was me and 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 this person that I'm talking about, and then one other friend. Now, you know, it went from more people to less people, and there was a lot of stuff that changed throughout the the you know the whole six years or seven years or whatever. But the one thing that remained the same was is that us three, the nucleus of this friendship, we always got together. And we did this because we wanted to spend time to, with each other. I mean, these are the, he's the kind of friend who I know his parents. And when they come into town, I come to see them. I come to his house to see his parents. He's the kind of friend that, uh, you know, traveled across the country when I moved back to my hometown from where I live now. I moved back to my hometown. He traveled across the country to our hometown to pick me up and bring me back to the Denver metropolitan area. You know, he's the kind of guy that says, I love you before he hangs up the phone with me. <laughs> 
as you know, as weird as that might sound. Uh, you know, I was at his bachelor party. I was in his wedding. I stood with him at his wedding. I never got married, so I never had any of those things. But he would have stood with me had I gotten married. This was the kind of friendship that other people heard about and thought, wow, that's... That's amazing. You guys really must have something special. And now that's all gone. He has completely lost his mind in every conceivable way. I mean, he can function for the most part. However, most of the way that he functions eventually devolves into some rant about lizard people that live under the ground. So his attachment to reality is very tentative and is at all times subject to whatever trigger you might say that then he uses as a launch pad into the you know, into just complete insanity. Well, it's been about two years now since that friendship ended. And he's the one that ended it. And I'll get into some of the the particulars. I mean, part of this podcast was for me to voice my opinions about him and his his worldview. Uh, Not to be specific about him, though, necessarily just about people like him. But the episode you're about to listen to was a part of a conversation I had with the Minnesota Misanthrope, and Minnesota also knows this person, knows this friend, is also friends with this person. And it was supposed to be something, you know, I was supposed to be letting off some steam. So this is me with my guard down, uh, you know, with not with real, not with any real agenda. I'm not trying to bring a specific message to you, the listener, uh, on this podcast, this particular episode, anyway. But it was just letting off steam. It was, it was, you know, commiserating with somebody else that knew what was happening to this person. Although Minnesota does not have the kind of access to this person that I do, so he wasn't able to he fully understand what I was going through. He didn't. Really really see this transformation happen. He just heard about it secondhand. He lives in a different state. So I just wanted to give this to you guys, the listeners, to hear what it's like, the kind of frustration that one goes through and the kinds of things that you might be up against in your family or in your group of friends, especially if you think like I do, which is, you know, I'm a very logical, reasonable, uh, you know, scientifically based and oriented person. I have a scientific worldview. I don't have a religious worldview. I don't have any, I don't take anything on faith. I'm what the the amazing and um, the honorable Aaron Ra calls an epistivist. Look it up. It's a... Uh it's an interesting use of the word epistemology. As I said before, I'm going to get into you know my feelings on this person and the long, hard struggle that we had. But this is sort of another idea that I had for this show, for the Ear Seduction podcast. Hmm. I thought, you know, maybe we should discuss con- conspiracy theories in detail. Maybe we should debunk them. Maybe this should be a debunking podcast. I see a lot of those on YouTube and elsewhere. I see a lot of conspiracy theory podcasts talking about what people believe and why, especially as it pertains to people like David Icke and Alex Jones and these these talking heads that really spin conspiracy theory out, you know, out of control. Eddie Bravo, he's a good example. But in this show, it was really just a fledgling attempt. I didn't have a lot of structure and I have since reconsidered what it is that I'm going to do in relation to conspiracy theory and that actually... <laughs> That actually spun off into another idea. And I might as well tell you now, we're roughly halfway through uh, this first season. I might as well tell you what to expect in the future. Uh, Starting this podcast led me down a path of intense creative explosion. I had always been a creative person. 
But having this voice and creating a voice for myself really blew that up into the stratosphere. So, with the energy that I have about combating conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists and with the pain and and struggle and suffering that I personally felt losing a, a best friend, somebody that I love dearly still, but can no longer be friends with due to his own detachment from reality. And by the way, I never wanted to lose him as a friend. I, I never suggested that we not be friends. That was his suggestion. But that energy, that pain and suffering, that manifested into a new show that I'm putting together right now called Lizard Vision. <laughs> There's a show, this podcast, Ear Seduction, which is, which is currently audio only, which will be expanding into a video and audio show on YouTube and elsewhere. But there's going to be another podcast. There's going to be another show called Lizard Vision where we bring you what I hope is going to be very entertaining commentary. And the concept of the show isn't complete yet, but... If you like this podcast, even if you don't, I hope that you check out Lizard Vision because it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, that's probably it's probably too early for me to say anything about Lizard Vision. It's something that, you know, I'm working on right now. And depending on the success of this show and a couple others that I'm working on, um, you know, it'll help kick Lizard Vision into high gear. But this episode is me talking to the Minnesota Misanthrope about our mutual friend and the destruction of his mind and how hard it is for me and the people around this person to go through and watch this happen and how frustrating it is to talk to this person and how horrible this person was to us during this whole process. So, listen in and thank you so much for listening to Ear Seduction. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my co-host, Mr. Monocane himself, Minnesota's own, the Midwest misanthrope. So, I did a lot of thinking about what you said when we were talking last night about... And I was thinking, why does it bother me so much? Like, what is it about uh, what he's saying and how he's saying it that bugs me? And I came to a couple conclusions. And I've known this for a while about myself, but I didn't really understand. I, I hadn't really put it into words. And I probably won't do it justice. So the rant I'll have to publish later or something like that. But the idea is basically this. Who the fuck is he to think that I'm just going to take whatever he says on faith, on his word. And it's interesting because when I ask him about things or when I press him for things, he actually says, but dude, it's me. It's <laughs> like, you can trust me. You know, I I'm not a bad guy. And it's like, no, no, you're not a bad guy. And yes, I can trust you. But how dare you speak to me in that tone? You're telling me that I'm going to believe in gigantic government and science conspiracy theories and alien abductions and fucking lizard people that run the world and seven families of the Big Bang that have a, some kind of strange grip on our economy and everything that happens. And I'm going to take that just because your name is and I've known you since, you know, fucking 10th grade. No, that is the most insulting, ridiculous position to take that I've ever heard in my fucking life. And I'm sick of hearing it. I'm sick of that stupid smile. And I'm sick of this idea that just because I've known somebody for 20 years, that everything they tell me is true because they're a quote, good guy. Now, he is a good guy. And he's a good friend. But I'm not going to believe everything he says. I'm not gullible, nor should I be, nor should that be the reason why I should believe what he says. And it's insulting for him to bring that up. It's insulting for him to think that just because his name's 
I know I know him that I should just accept everything he says as valid or true. Yeah. And that's it just pisses me off to no end because it's like, no dude, fuck you. You're not gonna fly your way in with this nonsense just because you get a free pass because we're friends. And it really is insulting. It really is obnoxious, you know? He's really, it's really sly and sneaky and slimy. It's the kind of thing a person, I mean, accepting something that somebody says based on faith is the most dishonest position anybody can take. And for him to take that position and then hold it against me because we're friends is not just dishonest, but now it's manipulative. And I don't think anything pisses me off more than than people trying to manipulate me. And I've, you know, had this this argument with my family for, you know, 20 years. Like, hey, I'm not a kid anymore. Stop trying to manipulate me. Stop trying to guilt trip me. Right. That's not something friends do. That's not something good people do. And it, it just pisses me off when people do that. And either they're too stupid to realize it or they think that that's some kind of justification. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's well said, man. Uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, in summary, it, it'd be very interesting to have such a occurrence happen again and to just have that, you know, response to be able to look in the eyes and say, you know, dude, who, who, who the fuck do you think you are? To be, you know, and then if you ask like, well, what do you mean? It's like, I, you know, you're, you're using the leverage of your friendship in order to try and make me believe in something that doesn't exist. You just leave it at that. I mean, you well, know, I, yeah, I, I don't really know how he could have, re- how he could respond in any other way, you know, except for the fact of being able to look at you and be like, well, I mean, and have him go off on a tangent or whatever, but uh, I don't really know if there's anything else that needs to be explained. You know, and if he was even like, you know, what do you mean? It's like, uh, I repeat, who the fuck do you think you are that you should use the leverage of your friendship in order to make me believe in something that doesn't exist? And and I think that, I mean, you even said it more eloquently, or at least more tersely than I did, but which is a good thing, by the way. <laughs> oh, I know the word terse doesn't sound positive, but it actually is. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't think that he could handle that feedback. Like, I'm not saying that he's not capable of hearing that, but I don't think the friendship would go much further than that. I've said things similar. I've said similar things, and it hasn't really done very well. It hasn't fared very well, and it certainly hasn't changed anything. So... Well, no, and, and and here again, like I'm not trying. I, I'm just, I just think like that that focus um, of less is more, uh, of being able to condense your thoughts and feelings into the most, uh, the least amount or the minimum amount of words to be utilized within communicating your true thoughts and feelings. It's not really something where it, it doesn't. It the motive isn't to uh, rebuild the relationship. The motive is to be able to clearly articulate your own thoughts and feelings to somebody else. And you're not asking that person to change, but you're just clean, you're, you're giving them a clear window into this is what's going on with me right now when you do that. And it's up to them to to do whatever else. I mean, you you've explained to them your position, and doesn't necessarily mean that you know things will get worse or things will get better. But here again, if it's going down the, if, if it's a relationship that's going down this road where there's going to be some separation, most likely anyways, it's kind of like, well, you know, least I can do is give you the 
respect and letting you know here's where I was coming from. Here's why. You know, you don't have to you don't have to look it's really tough to do to frame, you know, your thoughts and feelings and what you're experiencing. It's really tough to frame that in a in a condensed manner. Uh and then you just say it and um it's it's something for you to get across. So you can have the peace of mind and be like, look, man, I gave you all the options. It's kind of it's kind of like the position of a prosecutor within a within a court system, right? The prosecutor doesn't go to you know the uh, the public defendant and say, hey, I got a surprise for you later on down the road. There is no surprise. The the, the prosecutor is basically going to the public defender and going, here's how I'm going to approach this. So if you can find a way out, I'm giving you the way out. I'm giving everything to you. It's, it's now the ball's in your court. So this is how I'm coming at you. And and that's that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like the prosecutor's not out for blood necessarily. The prosecutor is basically saying, if you can find a way around this, because this is what I'm going to be, this is how I'm, this is how I'm approaching this, uh, prior to the court date, you know that there's no surprises. So this is how I'm going to do it. And it's kind of funny how our society looks at the prosecutor as kind of like the bad side of the lawyer, but actually they're they're the one that's being providing the majority of the opportunities for the defendant to be able to find themselves not guilty. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it. I think what you're saying essentially is it adds a framework that both parties now understand this is how this is the situation and it's up to you now to work your way out of it. Right. right. Here's here's what's happening. Here's what the evidence suggests. Um, if you can come up with a better um, theory or if you if you can come up with a way out of this, then you've got it. Uh, right. In other words, it puts the ball in their court. Right. Yeah. And I would like to think that that would work in this situation. I just I think I'm very pessimistic about it. And it's because of the track record of every other thing I've tried yeah. that has just not gone anywhere. <laughs> like it's even embarrassingly, <laughs> like like it's pathetically not working. Everything that I try to do. So yeah, it's, but it's, it's it's a it's a noble like from the outside looking in, it's a noble effort that you're doing. But it kind of seems like you're trying to find a solution. To- well that's going on between like you're trying to find an answer which is great man i mean i i respect the the premise of the motive but sometimes like at the same time you're like you're trying to find an answer to something and that's not necessarily in your power to find um so that's why it gets so frustrating i think is that that idea is probably uh a very hard thing for you to be able to let go of um well let me let me just say this and then if you don't mind let's uh, switch topics a little bit, um, sure. yeah. and not be- not because of uh, anything <laughs> negative, but this is more private than something that we might publish. Um, I-, I will say this: that I do miss um, having a connection. You know what I mean? I, I miss having some common ground with. Like I, I, I miss my friend and it's like, I don't have him. It's like, he's not my friend anymore in, in a lot of ways right. um, because I can't ask him questions about things. I can't confide in him. I can't bring things to him and he can't bring things to me. You know, he can't bring fucking lizard people shit to me um, because I'll fucking ridicule him until, you know, until there's just no reason to even speak Yeah. because, right. because it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I just can't, bend in that direction. I, I'm just not flexible that way. And, and uh, you know, that's probably a fault on my end, but at the same time, it, it, it really has affected how we see each other and how we interact and how we think about each other and stuff like that. So, 
so for me, that's where the motivation comes from to keep trying is like, I just want my friend back. You know, I just, I just want to have a positive interaction with just like old times, you know, just like before his mind was hijacked with all these nonsensical ideas. Right. Right. And, uh, well, that's just where it comes from. But so a few afterthoughts, um, I found it very difficult over the course of the six years that my very good friend lost his mind. He became indoctrinated into what would eventually become, in 2021, the QAnon cult and the Trump cult. Um, I recognize, though, that based on the information that you just heard, you might not have enough to go by to really understand why I was so frustrated. So over the course of six years, my friend's mental deterioration became so severe that literally any topic that we brought up at our guys night became a fight. It became, he would interject something, uh, you know, like uh, a conspiracy, let's say, uh, this is one that he used uh, about Nikola Tesla, that the reason why Nikola Tesla's electricity isn't being used is because there was no way for us to monetize it. So I'm having a discussion about electricity and solar panels uh, with my other friend. And then this fucking wackadoo comes in and says, yeah, well, uh, you know, it's crazy when you think about what they did to Nikola Tesla. And we're like, what? What do you mean? What? What? What?" And he explains the conspiracy theory about how Nikola Tesla's electricity, whatever that means, uh, was undermined because it wasn't something we could monetize. (laughs) And he would inject these just bizarre phrases and then we'd ask questions about it and then he would say this and that's literally all he would say and that's all he knew about and we're like what are you even talking about and and then he would just which is what you see a lot with these conspiracy theory types is he would just sort of change the subject he'd be like well uh you know the rockefellers got together with henry ford and uh i don't know who somebody george soros or whatever like he would pick a you know and uh carnegie and they would uh you know and they decided that because they couldn't monetize uh nikola tesla's uh, inventions to distribute electricity that they were going to use hardwired systems instead. Clearly, my friend doesn't have any idea of what AC and DC electricity is or what the difference is, or that Nikola Tesla, his quote unquote electricity is air alternative or alternating current AC electricity, which is what everything is run on pretty much. But that DC direct current electricity travels much more reliably and readily over hard lines, metal power lines. And this like the sphere that would basically have a a bolt of lightning come out of it to travel from one sphere to the next. The reason why that wasn't used, that was a Nikola Tesla thing. The reason why that wasn't used was not because it couldn't be monetized, but because it was so irregular. It was like unleashing a bolt of lightning into the sky. They didn't know where the fuck it was going to go. Electricity has to travel across a path. A path of least resistance and shooting electricity through the air, air gives much, gives off a lot of resistance, especially when you compare it to like a copper wire or any kind of wire. (laughs) 
And then if you point this out to my friend, he would say, well, but then, you know, you got to take into account the six families that control the banks and they were controlling all the money at that time. So, you know, they were, they had their own interests and then it would end at that. And then it would just go on and on and on. And we couldn't have any kind of discussion. Now, I would initially in, in this whole de-evolution of my friend's brain and, and this whole like deconstruction of his psyche and his personality, I tried every possible way I could think of to help him, to tether him to reality, to save our friendship. And in return, he tried every possible way to cause more friction and destroy our friendship. At one point, we were in the basement hanging out and talking and playing video games or whatever, and it was really late at night. And I was talking to him about how important it is to be honest and to be honest with yourself. And I said something along the lines of, you know, it's my goal as a person to, you know, and I borrowed from Matt Dillahunty, I said, you know, to believe as many true things and to reject as many false things as possible. And in that quest, it's very important to recognize that you shouldn't be saying things that you can't support with evidence. That's part of being an epistivist. Epistivism being the idea that you only believe that which is evident, evidently true. Uh, and being intellectually honest, having some intellectual integrity requires that when you say something that you know that it's true. Or if you're going to say something that's speculative or that you aren't sure if it's true, that you hedge, that you say something like, well, I don't really know if this is true or not. And my friend was just newly a father at this time. He had just had his son. And really, part of the the catalyst for why he had his mental breakdown was because of having a child. I think it put a lot of pressure on him. And he was a stay-at-home dad. And his wife was the bread earner. And he felt really uncomfortable with that. And he felt sort of marginalized. And he's not the kind of person, he's not intelligent enough, and he's not well-read enough to understand that these are just social norms, that it doesn't really mean that you're not a man or anything like that. And then not only not only that, but, you know, he has influence in his life other than me and, and, and my other friend that we all get together. He has influences in his life and sees stuff on Fox News and on Alex Jones, um, where he what, he sees these things and he has these influence that really bring into question his masculinity because they are the one of the sources where you get this idea that men have to be men and women have to be women and men earn the money and women take care of the children. You know, this return to, um, you know, family and this return to fundamentals of society as Christians see them and so on. Now, here's my friend going through sort of a personal crisis, uh, feeling like he's not contributing, uh, feeling like he doesn't have very much power, feeling socially isolated because he doesn't have a job and he just sits at his house all day with a baby, which can be, which I imagine is, uh, generally speaking, very boring. And guys night, the, th the thing we're doing once a week is really one of his only outlets. But when he's not at guys night, he's digesting all this propaganda from the right, you know, Fox News, Alex Jones, uh, all, just all this conspiracy theory nonsense, and it's poisoning his brain. So when we come over, he just spews it all out at us because that's all he knows about. That's all he can think about because he doesn't read. He's not a reader. 
He's he's basically what I call functionally illiterate. There are people that can read, they just don't. And so he's essentially illiterate. And you could tell by the way he talks. He doesn't know what a lot of words mean. He has a really hard time expressing himself. Um, He could be very charming and friendly. Don't get me wrong. When he was his happy-go-lucky self before this happened, he was fun to hang out with. But he always sort of had a problem expressing himself because he's always been kind of dumb. He's a little bit of a dullard. So anyway... He would go on these just insane tangents and I would have to bring up to him, look, man, it's really not a good idea to be floating these ideas to us about the Rockefellers and, you know, the six families that run the banks and the Illuminati and fluoride that makes the frogs gay and all this other stuff. And he was saying all that stuff, by the way. It's really not a good idea to put that stuff out there without having done some of the legwork and hard research to figure out if this stuff is true. And by doing this, by by just blurting out whatever it is you're hearing on the radio as if it's true, you're being dishonest. You're being terribly dishonest and you're you're showing a lack of integrity. People that care about the world, people that care about the truth and reality and honesty and ethics and morality, they don't do that. They don't just float whatever idea happens to come into their mind or whatever idea they usurped from Alex Jones as if it's true and then sort of tentatively wait and see if there's any pushback because... That's dishonest. It's dishonest to float a stupid idea. And then if nobody said, you know, nobody raises their hand and goes, huh? What the fuck are you talking about? To just keep going. Oh, well, that must. Okay. Well, that worked. Okay. Now I'm going to keep talking. Now I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to spew more nonsense from my mouth. And I pointed this out to him and I said, you know, dude, don't you, don't you feel like you have some kind of responsibility now that you're a father to not fill your child's head with this rubbish? And this conversation, you know, he he just felt he just gave up essentially. He was like, "Dude, it's too late. It's late. I'm drunk." He was he would get just like shit faced to the point where he could barely talk. He's like, "I'm drunk and I'm just going to go to bed." So I I left. But that conversation led to me inviting him to a brunch where uh where it was just he and I and he had been pushing for weeks and weeks now for me to take on board anything that he was saying, you know, that I need to buy guns and I need to prepare for the apocalypse and I need to, uh, you know, what am I doing? He would say, what are you doing to protect your family? And, you know, that I wasn't taking him seriously and I wasn't taking his politics seriously and I wasn't taking his warnings seriously that that there's a dark, evil force in the world and it is actively working to unravel society. These are the kinds of things he would talk about. And so I took him to brunch and I asked him, I said, uh, you know, you, I said to him, I said, you spend a lot of time trying to sell me on these ideas and on what it is you think I should do. And I said, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And after a lot of hemming and hawing and back and forth, he eventually said, 
you know, I just want you to believe me. I, I just want you to take me seriously. And that really hit hard for me. I, I, I responded by saying, so, so, you know, if I get, uh, you know, a doomsday room, like a prepper's room with bullets and gasoline and $10,000 in cash and, you know, a chainsaw and pinto beans, a 10 gallon bucket of pinto beans and water and a still and all the stuff that he has in his basement. I said, would that be better? Would that make you, would that ease your, your anxiety? You know, if I just do what you tell me, would that ease your anxiety? And he said, he stumbled for a bit and he said, yes, but, but, uh, well, no, but I don't like the way that sounds because I, he didn't elaborate as to why, but my impression was, is that he didn't like the idea that, you know, I was going to do this stuff either just to shut him up or that I was going to do it because he told me to and he knows he can't support any of this stuff. He can't support it with any evidence. There's no reason for me to do it. And that's kind of how I worded it to him. I was like, well, would it make you feel better if I just did this stuff just because you say so? And he was like, well, no. Now, it's important to realize that as we're at brunch, I'm constantly, and I was doing this before, but as we're at brunch, I'm constantly watching him for body language cues because at this point in our friendship and at this point in his his you know the losing of his mind the degeneration of his thought process and his ability to think rationally i had started paying really close attention to the different kinds of things that he would do and the the ways that he would behave and he was terrified. The way he was moving, the way he was talking, the look on his face, the sense of urgency, the rate that he was breathing, the size of his pupils, everything indicated to me that he was absolutely terrified that at any moment, something horrible was going to happen based on his constant poisoning of his own mind with Alex Jones and Fox News and this, you know, death cult Christianity bullshit that he was just completely steeped in at this point. And and his ability to think critically was absolutely gone. He was completely impervious to any kind of rational thought. And we're sitting there eating brunch and a helicopter flew overhead and he literally flinched and looked upwards. Kind of like uh, I have a friend or I have a family member that grew up in San Diego and grew up in a really bad part of San Diego where there were a lot of drive-by shootings. And I remember driving with my cousin at one point and somebody had peeled out around the corner right next to us in a vehicle. We were driving and the, the vehicle right next to us peeled out and went around the corner. And my cousin like flinched and, and convulsed a little bit with his eyes shut as if he was being shot. Like he had heard that noise before and heard gunfire because of, you know, had seen that happen where somebody peels out while they start shooting. So he was expecting gunfire. This is the same reaction that my friend had at brunch in an up, you know, we were in a very, very nice neighborhood, but his, his mind was so poisoned with ideas that he thought that this helicopter might be something to fear. And he looked at it as if it, like it was shot out of a, <laughs> like a gunshot had just gone off. That's the reaction he had. He looked up at it really quickly and, and was like very clearly jolted out of his previous mind, you know, whatever thought he was in. He was just jolted right out of that thought and looked up like, like he was terrified. And, 
And that's how he, that was one of the main things that I noticed about him as this, this whole process happened over six years or whatever, is that his level of anxiety and how terrified he was on a regular basis just shot through the roof. He was constantly waiting for, I guess, the second coming of Christ, Armageddon. He was constantly waiting for, you know, the black helicopter to swoop down and Obama to jump out of it and shoot him or whatever. The, you know, he literally thought stuff like this, though. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of being hyperbolic, but I'm also being, I'm also being pretty close to reality. I mean, he really did think that Obama was going to put us under military law. That he was going to declare a, a military rule and extend his presidency. He really thought that there were bad actors, the deep state, and that they were going to come for you, that they would come for you if you, if you, you know, people like him were patriots. And so they were coming to take him out of society and throw him into a van and I don't know, kill him or take him to Gitmo or something. <laughs> he had, he, he had all kinds of crazy paranoia riddled delusions. So at this brunch, I was just trying to, I told him as the brunch was coming to an end, I told him, look, I just want to have positive experiences with you. He had described that conversation that we had in his basement where I was telling him, you know, don't you want to be an honest person for your son? Don't you want to be somebody that your son can look up to? Uh, You know, don't you want to not, don't you want your son to not have the same troubles you're having? And I expressed this to... Uh, (laughs) I expressed this to him at the brunch and had mentioned to him, you know, I just want to have positive interactions because his response to that conversation in the basement and many of our conversations, he said it was like getting beat up. He's like, you guys are just beating up on me again. You know, everything I say is wrong. I can't get anything right. And nothing I say is real or true. And he was just, from his perspective, at least what he was saying was, is that we were just beating up on it. You know, never mind that he was basically giving us an ultimatum. Either you're going to be my friend and listen and believe everything I say, or I'm going to cause all kinds of trouble in our friendship by getting my feelings hurt, by, you know, throwing a hissy fit, by getting into yelling matches, by claiming that the earth is flat. And then when you say anything against that, I'm going to, you know, say, well, maybe we shouldn't be friends and it's going to be just hell. You're just, he's, never mind that he's causing our friendship to be a living hell because all we want to do is have a good time and have a, have fun with our friend. And all he wants to do is divide us because we won't believe that the earth is flat. And that's a literal, that's true. He did that. So to get back to my point, I had said to him, you know, at this brunch, I said, I just want to figure out a way for us to have positive interactions. I don't want you to walk away from guys night feeling like you just got beat up and and I want you to feel good about our friendship. And that was the, that was sort of a pivotal point because I let him know that these were my intentions, that this is what I wanted for us. And he basically took that and did nothing with it because a few years after that, after, you know, I had had to take a break from being his friend for a couple weeks and after our other friend who went to Guy's Night every Wednesday had a break and said, I can't do this anymore. It was after the Flat Earth conversation where he tried to tell my friend 
he tried to tell our friend that the Earth was flat and that he wasn't sure about NASA, that we had landed on the moon and all this stuff, which caused a huge blow up um, and all of a schism, you know, it caused a, a fracture in our friendship. We all got back together after that and tried to move on with some guidelines, some rules like, hey, we can't discuss this or we can't discuss that. Let's Let's stay away from politics, for instance. But... It was really hard to move forward because we never knew when something we were going to talk about would trigger him. So, like, for instance, I'm really into hard sciences. I love hard science. I love cosmology and astronomy and physics and evolution and all of that. And if I would bring up, let's say, something about evolution, like, oh, wow, you know, uh, Artipithecus, I just learned something new about one of our ancient ancestors. That would trigger him to talk about how he thought that our DNA had at some point in the past been spliced in with alien DNA. And that's why we were so much smarter than all the other animals. Never mind that Neanderthals were probably smarter than us. Never mind that, you know, he didn't know it anything about evolution and he still doesn't know anything about evolution he is the most ignorant person i think i've ever known and willfully so he wasn't always this bad but now he is just completely lost but my point is is that we just never knew what was going to set him off and i just can't describe to you how uncomfortable it is when you're talking about a you know i would go to the museum of nature and science and there was a fantastic uh team of scientists there that presented you know homo florensiensis to us it was an ancient uh species that was in our same genus uh so they we probably could have interbred with them and we probably did interbreed with them at some point but they were on the isle isle of Flor- florin or whatever uh, I'm going to get some of the particulars wrong. But anyway, they were this uh, dwarfed species that rode on giant... Uh, they hunted giant rats while riding on miniature elephants. I mean, they were just... It was so cool what we learned and I about Homo florensiensis. And I took that to Guy's Night and, and tried to share this interesting information. And it set my friend off on this tirade about how our DNA was spliced with aliens. And I would say, well, why do you think that? How do you know that? And nothing. He could never provide any information, never any sources or resources, partly because he was ashamed that he was listening and getting this information from people like David Icke and Alex Jones. But any of the any of the things that he would send me were so terrible. Were so it, it was it was like he might as well have sent me a audio file of a preacher's, you know, preaching from the pulpit. That's how baseless the claims were. And he, you know, he took it just to the extreme all the time. And he would get really bent out of shape when we didn't just believe him based on his terrible sources, which he rarely, if ever, gave, or just because he was our friend. He took it personally. And this, to me, is, is the, the real problem. There was, a, there was one point towards the very end when he and I were sitting out and we were drinking some really good bourbon and talking. And he started trying to convince me that, you know, his worldview is true. And he was... Going on and on and on the way that they do, uh, it, it was just gibberish, essentially. It was just like white noise. He would say something about the Rockefellers, and then he would say something about the Illuminati, and then he would say something about the World Bank, and then he would say something about 
the Democrats. And then he would say something about uh, the lizard people. And then he would say something about, um, you know, whatever conspiracy theory. And at one point I said to him, I said, are you just making this up as you go along? And he, he just, he froze and he looked at me like a deer in headlights. And he said, well, you mean like literally like right now, am I just making this up? And I said, yeah, like these connections that you're, that you're drawing from Nikola Tesla to, to the Rockefellers to, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton to, um, you know, how we need to, to be watching out for the end times and how, uh, the Democrats, uh, need to be hung from yard arms because of their, uh, you know, perjury or their, uh, I can't remember what he said exactly, but they had broken the law, right? And so they need to be killed, hung in public squares. And so, I mean, he was just going off on all these different things and he would just weave in and out of all these just bizarre conspiracy theories. And I'm like, yeah, like this whole connecting the dots that you're doing right now, which, by the way, was not connecting any dots. He made less sense the more he talked. Uh, I said, are you just making this up as you go along? And he said, well, I mean, literally, yes. And I said, why would you do that? Why would you just make this up? And he got really offended and really uncomfortable. And I tried to ask for him to elaborate on one point that he had made. And I said, so that one thing that you had said, tell me about that. And he goes, well, did you not, what didn't you understand? And I said, well, I understood the words that you said. Like I understood each individual word. I just don't understand, first of all, like where you're getting that information. And then second of all, I don't understand the point that you're driving to. Like I understand the individual words, but when you put them together in a sentence, it doesn't make any sense to me. And he had, because I had called him out on his just making things up and essentially lying, he then had to somehow say that I was lying. So he said, oh, so you understand the words, but you don't get what I'm trying to say? Well, then you're lying. And it was it was just really bizarre because it made no sense. And he just had to have an upper... He had to somehow resurrect himself and his dignity. And it was a real blow. It, it really hurt. It really hurt my feelings. And it was very petty. All of this, by the way, really hurt my feelings because... Anybody that tries to convince you of just complete and utter bullshit and has no evidence to support what they're saying and no resources to go to to further for further understanding is essentially just a snake oil salesman. They're essentially trying to dupe you out of something. And while he didn't have anything to sell me, he certainly was putting a lot on the line. He was he was definitely he was willing to put our friendship on the line for all of this stuff. And then, uh, you know, a few months passed or whatever. And out of the blue, we hadn't had any real problems for a while because we at some point did decide maybe we should just talk about something else. But it had gotten so tense between us and I didn't know what to talk about. So I just stopped talking largely because I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want to... I didn't know if anything I would say would trigger him into one of his you know, tirades about lizard people or whatever. And I didn't want to have that fight. I just wanted to have a good time and talk about, you know, stuff that didn't matter, like movies or something, and play pool and have fun, you know, and be boys again, drink some beers and have some laughs. And, but that was all impossible. He made it all very impossible. And so what ended up happening was, is I just sort of stopped talking. 
And he would go off still on these on these tirades, trying to convince me that he was he was right. Because what ends up happening with these folks a lot of the times is they just desperately cling to anything that that'll stick. They just throw everything at you to see if anything will stick. And since he doesn't have any evidence to support what he's saying, of course, none of it did. And so, you know, I'm just sitting there quiet saying like, look, I just don't think we should talk about this or let's change the subject or whatever. And so all communication just broke down. And out of the blue, uh, like I said, we hadn't had a real fight or anything in, in the recent past. He just disinvited me to his birthday. And then I haven't heard from him since, except for uh, when I had concert tickets that he wanted that he couldn't get because, you know, he just didn't get them and I did. And I had a quote-unquote extra one that I really wasn't planning on giving to him. But it was just sort of assumed that I would because of the group that we were in. Everybody else was going, so it would be weird if he didn't kind of thing. And that's the last I heard from him. And I didn't hear anything before that and I haven't heard anything since. And there was never any reason other than, and I shit you not, the day he called to dis- to uninvite me to his birthday and basically to stop being friends with me, he said, he said he knew it was him that caused all this. He knew it was his position, the changing of his mind into these ideas that he had. It was the QAnon cult. It was his new politics. It was his new view on life. And he he basically recognized in some sense that he caused all of this. And I think that's what really hurt the most is it's like, for whatever reason, the Trump cult that he was in and the conspiracy theory cult that he was in became more important than a 25-year-old friendship, something that we had worked on for years and years and years and done a very good job maintaining and both put a lot of effort into. And then it was all over. And he continues to do the same thing to my other friend. They don't get together for a guy's night anymore, but they see each other sporadically, uh, you know, for like bigger events like New Year's Eve or whatever. Um, But they don't really talk and they're not really friends anymore. Um, Not like they were. Not like we were. It all just sort of fell apart. And I think that's the hardest part is that it's all over now. And that ride is done and there's no turning back. I wouldn't even be friends with him now if there was, like if he did present some sort of path back to being back to friendship. I think he is completely gone. And one of the reasons I think that is because I started to early in this process. Early in this process, I started to make predictions about what he would do next and what he would say next. And he was never a religious person. But early in this process, I said, you know, I bet he's going to become a fundamentalist Christian. And then he did a couple years later. And then I said, you know what? I bet he's going to become a white nationalist. And then he did a couple years later. And so I think at this point, he's so far gone down the neo-Nazi, white nationalist, you know, racist, bigoted path. I think he's so far gone now at this point with one foot firmly in fundamentalist Christianity and the other one firmly in, you know, Trumpist fascism that he's not the kind of person that I would even want to know anymore. And, you know, even as I say it right now, I feel great remorse and regret and I mourn our the loss of our friendship. I'm going to talk about it more as this podcast evolves and develops. 
but I'm going to spend most of this energy, uh, other than just sharing with you the way I feel, um, in a segment I'm going to call Very Ape. That's going to be in Season 3. There's, there's going to be some changes in Season 2 from this season. And then in Season 3, there's going to be even more changes. And in Season 3, I'm going to focus a lot more on bringing to you very scripted and uh, specific series, so short series uh, on different topics. And it's either going to be under the series title of Nuanced, or it's going to be under Very Ape. Um, Very Ape is, isn't as scripted, but it's more of a just me ranting and, t- and, and having a, you know, I'll have a loose script that I work from, but... It's about expressing myself. It's about expressing expressing my humanity. It's it's not going to be a series where I attempt to you know formulate what I think should be a, a, how our society is governed. For instance, it's not going to be how I want legislate. It's not going to be anything I want legislated. It's going to be tapping in to my apish tendencies and allowing them to just be and just express how I feel. It's not going to be the way I want the world to work. It's just going to be, you know, my frustration. Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, I really do feel sad about this friend that I'm talking about in these clips from 2017. And then also just from what I've told you, you know, before and and after. It it was a sad, sad story. And for those of you that are going through it, losing friends to the Trump cult or to, you know, fundamentalist Christianity, which is essentially the same exact thing. um, These are all synonyms, you know, white nationalism, neo-Nazism, fascism. They're all fundamentalist Christian Trumpist political movements. Um, You know, you've got a friend in me and you've got a friend on this show. If you want to interact with me, you can leave comments. Uh, I am going to be launching a website. I am going to be launching social media and stuff so that we can further interact with one another. But I just want you to know that you're not alone. And for those of you that are in the Trump cult or in the neo-Nazi fascist cult, for those of you that are fundamentalist Christians... You too are welcome to reach out. I I don't know how we're going to solve the problems we have right now in 2021. I don't know how we're going to fix the void, how we're going to bridge the gap between people that depend on evidence and have a sound epistemology and those that believe in God and believe in fundamental that have fundamentalist Christian roots and, you know, think that fascism is uh, an option for society. I don't know how to do that. I'm going to explore those. But one thing I can say is that I want this podcast to be a place where all people of all backgrounds and all ideology come together to try and make sense of the world to try and take these ideas on board and 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 march into the future together as as a as a force for good as a force for reason as a force for you know science based evidence supported conclusions <laughs> i think i've said enough thank you so much this has been ear seduction